0: Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. It's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. Good to have you with us today. And today I want to talk about miscommunication, examples of miscommunication. Why do they happen? How do we get around them? And certainly as communicators, I know we probably all feel that they shouldn't happen, but they happen all the time. Um, you, you know, simple, simple, simple example that came to my mind the other day is I was talking to somebody and I was sending her some uh, a design. And I'm not a designer, you know, but I use Canva. We did have a show previously and I sent it to her and I said, uh, I'm not a designer, but this is pretty good, if I may say so myself. And she wrote back and said, well, I'm a designer. But she ends up being an interior designer, which is very, very different from a graphic designer. And certainly, there's many, many other examples we have out there where people miscommunicate, or they think they agree to certain things, um, and um, you know, end up down the wrong path because they didn't, uh, they didn't circle back or or whatever it may be. Um, so today's guest is James Mayu. He's a uh, chief culture officer and. Um, podcast host um, of a couple of podcasts. You can check them out if you like. Uh, leadership and business coach, James. How's it going today?
1: It's going great. Thank you for having me, Christoph. It's uh, I'm excited to talk about this. I really, in fact, just excited about that setup that you just you just gave us.
0: Awesome, and I, I can guarantee we will not have any miscommunication problems at all with each other. Right? Probably. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
0: But so, I mean, you know, this is what we do for a living, right? We're communicators. I mean, that's what all of us do. How do we get people to pay attention to us? How do we get projects through? I mean, even when you think about all the barriers marketers have to face in companies, right? I mean, it's endless. You could spend your the next two years just on office politics, so to speak. What are some common um, miscommunication examples that you see out there that, that happen within companies?
1: Oh, my goodness. That's such a great lead in question. And so so what I typically have found is that um, I actually usually use my hands to illustrate this. So I'm going to ask you and your listeners to picture um, your your index fingers like you're pointing at somebody. But I want you to point them at each other. And I think a lot of times we exit a conversation thinking that our index fingers are nearly touching, like we're we're pointing at each other. And I believe that everything that I've said is exactly, you're interpreting it exactly the way I want. And on the other end, that's what your understanding is. But so often we leave so many things out of the equation and it and it doesn't get included. It doesn't get translated well. And so the illustration that I use is then I just start to move my hands apart and then sort of like I, I move my left hand up and my right hand down. And that's actually more indicative of, the, the things that, that we walk away from thinking, Hey, we're on the same page here. We say things like that. Are we on the same page? Absolutely. I got that. And then two weeks later or three weeks later, we find out that somebody's expectations weren't being met. And as a result, there was something not accomplished. It wasn't finished to the, to the degree that the other person wanted it completed, or there was a goal that was missed something in there. And we can almost always trace it back to, something left out in the communication process. So I believe that, that, I, listen, I, I'm going to say this. I do believe you can over communicate and we can talk about that separately. But, but in this case here, um, it was Charlie Funk a few years ago, president of Midwest bank, uh, Midwest one bank said uh, at the time, he said one of his biggest things that he less he learned as a lesson was, that at the time that he felt like he had said something, he said it once, but he had been thinking about it for hours, if not hundreds, or even thousands of hours, and he's trying to communicate something. And he said, he realized that him saying it just once, that wasn't, that wasn't getting it done. And I really latched onto that. I thought that was very intelligent because there are many times when we just make a statement or I start to communicate a, an idea to you, even right now, the way I'm responding to your question. I'm saying so much of my experiences and my, uh, my ideas and um, things that have worked and haven't worked. It's all influencing the way I'm responding to your answer or your question. And what I've learned is that you have to say things multiple times at the point that I'm tired of hearing myself say it. Oftentimes somebody else is just beginning to grasp the idea in the way that I wanted them to.
0: So much time unpack here, James. We're like, I got like, 59 questions roughly (laughs) um, based on that little segment alone. But the multiple times things is difficult for people, right? Because number one, I mean, think about like, let's think about your relationships, maybe in the office, maybe at home, but how often has everybody had a conversation like, Oh, I told you that already like 29 times. Right. I mean, I I swear I had that happen today, like eight times already. Um, But so, so partially, um it does. Um, that's kind of th- that happens, right? Like we kind of grow up with this. Well, I already said it. I don't have to say it again. But but I, I do tell people change management is truly it's like parenting. How many mm-hmm. times have I told my kids to put their stupid shower towels away or whatever? Right. And <laughs> right. And every time they take a shower, they're, they're still in the place where, where I told them not to put them every the last 800 times. Um so, how do we get past that, and how do we uh, i mean do, do we just have to be really passionate about whatever it is we're gonna have to repeat uh, a thousand times for the next two years?
1: Well, I think passion certainly plays a plays a factor into it, but you know one of the things that i that I work with on my uh with my clients on is we do sessions on giving and receiving feedback, and there's a big chunk in there which is about when you're receiving feedback and communication is, I mean, it's, it's certainly a form of feedback. Um, communications oftentimes nonverbal. So you get a smile, you get nods, you get people that, that maybe fold their arms or they're, they give you the puzzled inquisitive look like we have to pay attention to that stuff. And so in this feedback workshop, one of the things we take a deep dive into is, is just literally asking clarifying questions. And one of the things that uh, I coach and I learned and um, I try to practice is if I'm not really clear on what the person uh, is is saying to me, I'll just say, okay, let's pause for a second. Here's what I'm hearing. And I will kind of restate it back to them. And then I'll ask for confirmation. Am I on the right track here? Did I hear that right? And that taking that extra step right there is something I had to learn um, in leadership, honestly. Because, uh, and I work primarily with leaders in small to medium-sized businesses. So if you've never been taught these things, this is something that you just miss and you take for granted is to, to slow down, seek that confirmation. And then sometimes I've been wrong. I've heard it wrong. And they're saying, no, that's, that's not what I meant. I actually mean more this. Oh, okay. And had I not taken that moment to ask that clarifying question, I'm going to leave that conversation in the wrong direction. And it might even just be a small wrong direction, but you know how things go as time progresses. A a One degree um, off or two degrees off over a short span isn't very far off, but over a long span, it can put us miles off course. So that's kind of the point is ask some of those clarifying questions and just make sure that you are observing. You're having some awareness around body language and the other nonverbals.
0: Of course, body language is getting harder and harder because you know we're not near people anymore right we're all on zoom calls and yeah. uh having the camera looking up our nostrils and it's harder and to, harder to see you know how people are reacting and even when they react i mean i was on a show the other day we did a, a recording a, a live stream of uh, with video on for the podcast and there were three people three little boxes on the screen right and mm-hmm. the the guys even said afterwards like oh and most importantly we had fun and i'm like yeah we did but I didn't see anybody smile ever in the last 45 minutes or I didn't. Do you know what I mean? Like Uh you don't, it's not the same as being in person. Let's talk about feedback for a second though. So, so first of all, uh, big believer feedback is important, but what's really, in my opinion, much more important is the right kind of feedback within the context of what we're trying to do. I'll give you an example and, uh, totally protecting the guilty here a little bit. So I'm not going to tell you who the, the people are involved or, Specifically, but you have somebody go. Let's say you have an athlete, uh, and and that athlete plays a position, and other people play a similar position or the same position. This person goes up to the athlete and says, "Hey, you suck. Um, you should just quit playing that position." But ultimately, the intent behind that. First of all, that's not feedback, anyways. But you, you play with me. Play with the the example for a minute here. Ultimately, the the reason that happened isn't to to get that person to be better at that specific position. It's better. Uh, it's, it's designed to get that person to quit. Right. So to make competition easier for somebody else. And I see that in change where, where change happens. I mean, I see it in publishing. I see it in marketing. I see it in digital transformation. There's always people who are trying to fight any change. Right. So they, they try to, you know, behind smokes and mirrors, here's some feedback, but it's really not supposed to be feedback. It's supposed to be, how do I get this to slow down? I don't want things to change. How do you deal with that? How do you, you know, how how do you get teams to give feedback that matters and that can help you move forward together, especially when some people don't necessarily want to?
1: Yeah. Well, before I get there, let me, let me just say this. I, I think that people don't hate change. I think that people don't like the way change is crammed at us. You know, it's oftentimes it's forced at us or, or we haven't had any input into it. I think that's where it comes into. And so on that, feedback is, is really built around what I, I would consider four key principles. First of all, it's got to be honest. So if I'm going to give you feedback and, and in the situation that you use right there, telling a person, a player that they suck, they should just quit, uh, as you alluded, Um, and, and for the illustration, that's not good feedback. Okay. So it needs to be honest. Well, what, how am I not doing it well? Or how am I doing it? Well, be specific. The second thing it needs to be is it needs to be timely. So we can't wait until, um, three weeks later in a business setting to give you feedback on how you didn't perform well in a meeting it can't be at the annual review. Oh my goodness. Like that's a whole different subject. But if you're hearing feedback for the first time in your annual review and it happened six months ago, that's a, that's terrible leadership. It also needs to be consistent. And well, here's the, here's the thing. Let me, let me explain consistency because I was ready to jump forward. And then I remembered sometimes we left, we leave things unsaid. That's the whole point here. So if you're not consistent in how you give feedback, that could be frequency, but it also might be in style. So if I'm giving you feedback today and I'm blowing up at you for a small risk that you took that didn't work out, and then the next time I'm encouraging you to take that risk, that is inconsistent on me as a leader. And and I think I already said it, uh, kind of lumped it in with honest is it has to be specific. So you've got to really call it out as to how I could improve or if you're appreciating something that I've done well, this is something that's so overlooked. We don't recognize and appreciate people very well, which can lead to this perceived gap in communication. Hey, great job on this specifically when you were running that meeting, I really liked how you kept control. You kept us to the agenda. Every time somebody tried to take it off track, you brought it back. Great job, Christoph. Keep that up. That's a great form of feedback. And that also plays into just the, this whole concept of how can we communicate better so we don't leave things misunderstood and we don't have these gaps. And how about earlier you
0: mentioned um, on the same page? I wrote it down in quotation marks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I I hear that all the time, especially when you are, oh, we're on the same page. Like you're trying to hash something out, right? Well. Oh, James, we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. I, you know what's coming next, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 but, or you might say and, right? Um, mm-hmm. And here's what I mean. So is how what's the importance to 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 eliminate or minimize uh, miscommunication to be on the same page, or do you just have to listen to each other? I mean, is it? uh is it necessary that you are on the same page or is it necessary that you just understand what we're trying to do and what everybody's role is what's what's the importance uh of that and you know sometimes i even wonder if uh, when people say that on we're on the same page you know like i mean we have the covid um pandemic currently happening and i saw an article the other day about how you know when they take your temperature when you enter a building how now they're saying it's only uh, uh, the illusion of safety oh, right sure. and mm-hmm. I, I don't we don't have to get into the whole thing but that, that it was a, it was the new york times or somebody like that who said it so how important is it to be on the same page to communicate well and not have miscommunication or is that just presenting the illusion that you are in agreement and understand what we're trying to do
1: yo man that's that's actually i think a really great way of framing it and as you were saying that there's a uh there's a social media meme that was popping into my brain as I was listening to you set that up. And it, and it's something like this. I, I may miss a word here, but I think this is pretty close. Um, we're overloaded with information while starving for wisdom. And and I think that's incredibly true in our culture right now. Uh, there's a lot of information. Everything is at our fingertips or our thumbs, and we can look it up instantly and get that gratification. But the thing with like saying something like, hey, we're on the same page, we're seeking we're seeking that nod. We're, we're seeking that consensus, that agreement. And it's, it's a form of influence, quite honestly. And so anytime that we use cliches, I think that's lazy, quite honestly, and I won't, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, I use cliches from time to time. And it's, it's not because I'm intending to be lazy, but it might be sometimes it's used to get a point across. But I also think we have to unpack what it means. So when you say, are we on the same page here? And I'm nodding. I I'm actually kind of cheating the process. I think of, of I'm, I'm basically saying to you, if I, if I said that to you, Christoph, are we on the same page here, I'm almost telling you, I don't want to hear your clarifying questions. I I'm telling you maybe in a uh, kind of unconscious level that I don't really care what your thoughts are, as long as you're agreeing with mine and and there's even, I even had this come up today in a conversation, um, this phrase, as previously mentioned, have you ever seen that in an email? <laughs> like as previously mentioned, or as I previously stated in it, like these things, they have undertones to them. And that to me, that's sort of a condescending thing. This is the thing that's just crazy about this subject and why it's so deep. And, and for me, it's really fun to talk about like the precision around languages is interpretation. You know, as I'm listening to it, um, it's, there's so many things that are left to my interpretation, especially when we're talking in cliches and there was a, there was a, uh, a football coach. Uh, I'm going to say who it was. I'm going to call him out. Dan McCarney, when he was the Iowa state football coach, I actually really liked Dan McCarney, but at the at the press conference, what he would always do that he was a master of speaking in cliches. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a four quarter game. Um, I thought, I thought that we were, we played all four quarters. He'd say something like that. He would say, um, uh, I'm trying to think of some now I kind of put myself in a, in a box there, but he was talking about how almost every word, if you listen to Dan at the end of a post game, he was always optimistic. He was, he take ownership on things, but he spoke in cliches. I'm like, I want to know the substance. I want to know, like, I really want to feel like I'm getting an honest answer here. And, I, and again, so that's why I kind of think with communication gaps, especially if we talk in cliches, we leave so much unspoken. And I wonder, would you be more successful as a, you know, as a coach in this case, using that example, do, if, if I talk in cliches to a player that I'm coaching and I'm trying to mold and, um, you know, they're a, an 18, 19, 20 year old young man, if, if I'm not really saying what I mean, I'm leaving it up to interpretation
0: absolutely and so as i previously mentioned however james um that term is a little bit of a trigger term for me which leads me into my next question for you like when people say that as i previously mentioned i i think they're trying to remind me that they already mentioned it. i mentioned that earlier right like when you mm-hmm. said about you know you have to repeat yourself and repeat yourself and they're trying to say well i already said that to you it's like Uh, I I mean, sometimes my wife used to do that. Uh, You know, we (laughs) talked about this. Uh, We have this event, you know, on Saturday and we talked about that. And I'm like, you know, um, and so we, we came to the conclusion at some point that anything event related, it doesn't count that we talked about it unless you had your phone in your hand. And put it mm. in your calendar right so sure. or you send each other an invite that's my preferred method quite frankly but at the end of the day it you know there was no action but it is a trigger word quite frankly when people say that uh, as previously mentioned or you know very um very directive language is usually a trigger uh word for me mm-hmm. right uh, i mean why are you talking to me if you're just going to tell me what to do i guess <laughs> right i mean why are we not strategic partners um, why, you know, why are we not working on that together? So how about trigger words? I mean, their trigger words have to, uh, I mean, they have to play a part in miscommunication, right? Uh, especially I mentioned the very simple example earlier, just about what's a designer and there's like a different bunch of different definitions. Right. I mean, I had other examples, especially in digital marketing, um, where one term can mean eight different things right um it's just it's kind of crazy so so how do how do trigger words play in because like if if you say something that triggers a person i mean they, they might shut out a little bit the rest of the conversation right and then that could that be part of the reason or um or what do you think
1: I love this. So there I was doing a presentation a couple of years ago and it was to my local high school. So I was talking to just seniors in this group. And um, I just, I had an opportunity to share with them some of the things that I had run into. And I was trying to, I was trying to help them to think differently. You know, I don't know where they had come from before they came into the session with me. Like maybe some of them came from algebra or chemistry or history, wherever they came from. And suddenly they're in a room and there's, um, a guy that's you know graduated 25 years prior to them is going to talk to them. And I, I wanted to show them that there's some things that you've learned that you need to unlearn. And one of them was the word. And I, I, I love that you asked this question because I put the word on screen. I had planned this out and it was disruptive. That that's the word disruptive. So for, so whether you want to consider it a trigger word or not um, I just asked them, when you see this word, what comes to mind? And they're in a school setting. And I'm even noticing the couple of teachers that were, that were in, the, in the room with us. They started to smile. It, everybody thought at that age, at that moment, was disruptive was bad. That it's bad to be disruptive. It means I've talked out of turn. I've done something in class to disrupt the experience that others were having. And that's absolutely a correct definition of it. But you know, and and perhaps you've used it. I know that I've used it a time or two. Um, If you want to disrupt an industry, that's going to be celebrated now as a maverick. Like they did something different. See, it's our perception over words that really gets us caught. Um, I'll tell another quick story. I was sitting down um, with a colleague, um, another person that's in the space that I work in. Uh, So was she. And we were having a really fun conversation about our topic today. And I use the word judgment. She goes, I don't like that word. I'm like, oh, what do you mean? Talk to me about it. She's like, well, she was hearing judgmental. Let me, I'll just cut mm-hmm. right to it. She was hearing it as judgmental. And I said, what if we put the word good in front of it? Good judgment. You know, we could, and, and so now I have to think about that. When I use that word, I've moved to a different word, which is I want people to have discernment. Because now that's not perceived as a trigger word as much. It means that I have good judgment. I mean, it's essentially the same type of meeting. I have discernment in this situation or uh, on this topic. And that is such more of a friendly way of, of approaching it. But um, I mean, I I don't know where else to go with the trigger thing because there are very, very few words that will trigger me. And I, I honestly, I, I don't feel like I'm qualified or to, to speak on it. Like from the current social climate, because I I, I just I don't I don't have enough um, knowledge there. I don't think.
0: Yeah, part of, part of the problem too is uh, especially in written communication, even even verbal, right? I mean, so so we're having a conversation, but I can I can promise you when I listen to it again, there's going to be stuff, and I'm like, oh, James said that. That's a really good point. I didn't even catch it. And there was actually I I, I one time interviewed. Uh, I think it was—I don't, I don't even remember her name—but a big, big name in the interior design industry, and it was so everybody celebrated that we got the interview and we did the podcast and everything. And she said something, and I, I want to say, she said, "This is we're making chairs sexy," or some something like that. And I, my next question was not a bad question, but I—I I don't think I really heard her. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I heard what she actually said. Because I was thinking, I was like, why wouldn't I ask? Why why was this chair not sexy? Or what does that even mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, it, And it's so interesting because literally my only job in that moment is to listen and ask the next best possible question. But I didn't hear it. I played it back and nobody else ever said a word to me about it. People still watched and listened to the show. But I, I was like, did I even hear what she said or was I just literally ready with my next question, which was not a bad question. It seemed like in context, but I'm like, it's mm-hmm. not the best question. So how do we, you know, I mean, people certainly, uh, everybody's kind of in their own world, right? To an extent, we're listening, maybe not completely. I mean, I'm even, I think I tweeted this or Facebook it or whatever, you know, and right now I actually didn't do it, but. When I do a podcast I literally take my keyboard it's a wireless keyboard you know and I move it out of reach so Mm -hmm. so when you're talking I'm not tempted to write something either on Slack or LinkedIn or wherever I mean there's like four screens in front of me Um, and then when it comes to writing and you know one of my questions and we'll talk about follow-up here and and how how do you over communicate over I guess uh, quotation marks is people like people are not actively listening a lot of times, is you know what I've seen. Uh, people also don't actively read, you know. I mean, I see people, uh, I mean, the, the simplest example that comes to my mind when people say, Christoph, could you send me times on these days where we can meet? Which, of course, today we just send a calendar link, quite frankly, right? But you sent them all those times and then they send you an invite back for a time that's nowhere near what you sent them, <laughs> right? Mm. So, yeah, I mean, people, right. people skim and read like uh, what they want to read, right? They look at the buzzwords maybe. Um, so how do, yeah. we, how do we get past that? How do we get to a level where we can communicate and, as you said, maybe over-communicate to, to, to be helpful to each other?
1: A good friend of mine, um, I asked him to come. I, I was working with an entrepreneurial class. Again, this was at a high school. And I asked him to be a guest for me. And he came in, and uh, one, one of the things that he asked So this was this was a class of um, uh, one or two sophomores, mainly juniors and a few seniors, a class of maybe 20 uh, people total. And he asked them the question, what's the most important element of communication? And these kids were very quick to say listening. And I was really impressed by that because it is not always easy to listen. It is so easy in this day and age to be distracted. It's so like, we're living in a culture right now where there's never been more opportunities to put your voice out there in the world to be heard, right? It's social media posts, it's podcasts, it's YouTube, it's, it's all of these things that are, that are out there. And I think the challenge is, is in, I love this quote, like it's, um, you want to listen to learn not to respond. And if I'm not tuning into what you're saying And I'm a poor guest on your podcast and I'm not really focused on, on what you asked and I'm more interested in what I have to say, I'm a terrible guest for you and I I don't want that. So I I think that there's some values that come into play into there, but I think it's a desire to actually be interested in what somebody else has to say. Oh my goodness. Like we're having a massive problem in the United States with this right now that we just don't want to listen to say the other side or the opposing view and what a game changer it would be. Um, I remember now I'm approaching 50 in age, so I haven't been a little kid in a long time, but I do remember sitting in grade school and there was this emphasis on how to listen and things were simpler back then. We didn't have a lot of extra noise like we do these days, but I I think it's such a skill that needs to be taught more and more and needs to be emphasized more and more. Um, Again, it's just, I, I think it's a personal desire. Do you want to 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 learn, listen to learn, or do you want to just be heard?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point, too, because uh, there's so many ways just to mute the noise, right, or, or do something else. I mean, think about even the podcasting. So somebody listens to the podcast, they just, you know, oh, I don't like it, skip, 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 or they move on to something else, right? Same in a meeting. Uh, oh, I don't like what they what they're talking about, or whatever. I'm not interested in it. Right? Check some emails, and before you know it, the meeting is over. Uh, social media, right? I mean, you can just mute people, like, um, or block them if you want to go to that extent. So you don't even have mm-hmm. to see what people are saying. Of course, on the flip side, there is so much communication going around anymore that it, it is virtually impossible to keep up with everything. Of course, some of that is a little different than an internal communication. Um, How about relationships? So when you just said, of course, it has never happened to me, James, uh, ever, (laughs) right? All of my coworkers and all my relationships have have always been perfect for the last 42 years. And but, you know, you have a coworker and you have a, a history with them, right? I mean, you've heard that before, right? And somebody, you know, it's like, oh, my God, you can't listen to them or like everything. They just they don't get to the point. And sometimes, you know, I I give the example of storytelling. When people go, they want to tell you something that happened, and they start their story like this: They go, um, "Well, first I took that left turn in the hallway, and then I walked by the bathroom, which is always there, and there's a water fountain. Of course, currently we don't use water fountains because of COVID, so everybody has to use water bottles. Um, And then, literally, they they get to the point of the story, which was about uh, why the window in the other room down the hall was broken." Um, and the water in the bathroom have nothing to do with it, right? It's a tremendous waste of time. And mm-hmm. certainly, there's other relationships um, at play. How do you move into that space where you can actually? Um, where you can? I mean, relationships matter, right? To have um, some level of a relationship, whether you like each other or not, to have good communications or or not.
1: Well, I think relationships are at the heart of business. They're at the heart of, of everything. And so whether the relationship is uh, me as an employee with a manager or a manager to the executive or, or owner, founder of the company, or whether it's just simply, you know, peer to peer at any of those levels, a relationship is driven because um, we're working together to accomplish something that we want to accomplish together. I, I, I think that's at the heart of it from a business standpoint. And, um, I'm not sure that I understood your, your, where your question was going in there, but I, I just, I I don't think that you can have a good relationship with another person in a business setting in when there's a failure to listen. I I think that's, I think that's at the key that that's at the center of it
0: right so my 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 question to an extent was if you have you know relationships and you've been through trying to communicate and you know like i'm thinking of like uh, a, a team member and every time you go over they give you the look right it's like why oh, yeah. i dare you to stop by my desk <laughs> of course today do you know what i mean like and you have to go ah, james i'm so sorry and you you know like quietly around the corner and you go I'm sorry to interrupt, you know, mm, and right. uh, how, do you, uh, how do you get to that level of relationship where you can have that? I mean, is that just something that has to be instilled at a, at a team level or like this is our value or how do, you, how do you do that? And I certainly have had work with people where it, it is hard to listen to them, right? And that's because mm-hmm, of right. the, but it, but it wouldn't have been if that was my first interaction necessarily, right? It builds over time.
1: Cy Wakeman, uh, is an author that I very much admire and she wrote a, a a book. Um, oh my goodness. I had to have to turn around and look at it. Um, reality-based leadership. There it is. Came into my brain. Finally, Cy Wakeman wrote reality-based leadership. And she was talking about to the extent what you were just saying are the stories that we tell ourselves about another person. So the first time that I've met that person, uh, I don't know what to expect from them. And then I find that a conversation with them Like they just over what, what they could say in 30 seconds, it takes them five minutes to get to now that's frustrating to me. So now I begin to tell a story to myself about that person, which means every time I go to this person, if I need something quick, I know it's not going to take time at some point. I'm going to stop going to them at the frequency that probably I should, because I know that they're going to in my opinion, again, my story, they're going to waste my time because they can't get to the point. And so this is a, this is an area where I think feedback comes into play. And I also believe that the value of setting, um, uh, expectations just around, Hey, can we be honest with each other here? There's some, there's some times when this is a favorite quote of mine is is this, um, Hey, James, I asked you what time it was and you told me how to build a clock. (laughs) You know, there's, there's these, these little, whether you want to call that a cliche metaphor or whatever, like, it's a great reminder that sometimes I'm missing the mark and boy, I have done this. I've done this as a leader. I've done this as an employee. Uh, I've done it as a colleague. And um, there, I know that there are times when people have a story about me because maybe I was short with them, or maybe I gave it that vibe off that don't come near me. You know, I have that, I have that face that says, don't bug me. I'm busy. And, and I, oh my gosh, I coach on this at such a deep level. We talk about, we talk about awareness. We talk about being available and we talk about being approachable. Those three words right there are so powerful, especially from a leadership standpoint that, you know, if you, if you give off, first of all, if you don't have awareness that people need you and want you and, need to ask questions. If you aren't available, even though you say your door's always open, but it's really not, or if your door's open, but every time that somebody comes, they, you give off the vibe, like they're bothering you. Here's the thing. People will stop coming to you and they will not disclose key information, vital information that you need. It might be about a customer opportunity. It might be about a customer challenge. It might be about something that is broken with a system and they end up going to somebody else because you as that leader that manager weren't approachable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How do you so how do you uh, communicate? And I, the one example that came to my mind is when I was building big websites, right? Let's say you got or you know, you have to write content for hundreds of pages. Mm-hmm. You don't go in and first of all, I mean we, we're going to skip past all the beginning stuff a little bit here. But mm-hmm. once that's out of the way, is you don't go in and, and write a hundred pages, right? And ship them to the client or ship them to who your, your editor. You sent them one to five pages, right? Mm-hmm. And say, hey, take a look, is this the tone we're going for? Is this what we're talking about? Is this on track, right? So you can communicate and you can see, because if, I mean, take, doing one to five pages is a lot quicker than doing a hundred. And then they say, well, no, you're not on the right track. And well, yeah we're already done and wasted however long that take, you know, a hundred pages times, I don't know, five hours or something per page, maybe. Um, so what's the right interval? Like, I mean, how, that's kind of what you're talking about, right? That kind of model to, to circle back and check in and not just finish and throw it over the wall when you think you're done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if there's a right interval. I, I think that could depend on the people involved. It could be the situation. But, but again, it, it, this is where I come back to saying it's a form of feedback. Um, I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. That means I still mess up Kristoff. I like, there's times when I really want to, to, I think I've got it clearly laid out and I, and I go too far with the work. I might write far too many pages in in that example. And what I'm learning to do is, is a way to counter that is to be more comfortable with iterating. And so can we get, can we get to 80% and throw it out there and then we'll get feedback. And that could be if, let's say it's a, let's say it's a conversion page or a funnel page. Well, that clearly worked or it clearly didn't work. And so those are forms of feedback that you might get. Um, I, I think yeah. that that's, As far as a frequency, I really like just how you said It's like we we should only go so far and then ask. But I don't know what that frequency would be.
0: Yeah, the answer always seems to be it depends. Great ideas, great thoughts. Hopefully it helps people to be um, communicating better. If you need repetition, which is something we talked about as well, feel free to rewind, listen again. Hopefully that could help, right? Um, James, where can people find you on the web? the podcast tell us those names again uh, and, and how do they connect with you
1: yeah well thank you so much um so james will get you to my website on social media the platform that i'm putting most of my effort into and you can learn uh, ideas philosophies thoughts that i have is linkedin and so you want to look for james r mayhew on linkedin and um yeah, it's been I'm I'm developing some other social media channels right now so I'm building out my YouTube channel which I'm I've been very slow to but I'm doing a new series called Jam Sessions which are like little snippets that are on video um kind of like a micro podcast almost and uh so the podcast I have two of them one is called um The 2120 which I do with a co-host Matt Fippen 2120 podcast so that's just the digits 2120 and then the other one I just rebranded from being the Unbusy Leader. Now we're calling it Lead with Values, which is all part of a uh, a little bit more of a uh, centralized and focused brand remake for me. So Lead with Values.
0: Fantastic. James, thanks for joining us today and thanks for the, the great tips. And hopefully uh, people will take a step in communicating better and, and not making some of the common mistakes that uh, we've certainly seen plenty of over the years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me